Hello and welcome back to the Cloisterbelt podcast. Today we are reviewing War of the Santorans. The TARDIS Cloisterbelt. Imminent disaster. The Cloisterbelt? Yes. What's that? Well, it's a sort of communications device reserved for wild catastrophes and sudden calls to man the battle stations. That's the cloister bell. Don't worry about that for now. It's not really terribly significant. The cloister bell? Oh, no. Please tell me you're not about to engage Sontarans in battle. Mrs. Sequel to you. I accept your offer of a massacre. So, hi again, everyone. Uh, I'm Rob, and I'm here with Liam. Say hello, Liam. <laughs> hi, everyone. How are you doing? Good. Uh, how are you saying? How's everyone doing on me? Well, you. <laughs> yeah. I can't get the responses I can't speak from everyone. For everyone. Else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm doing all right. Good, good. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're on to episode two of Flux. Mm-hmm. Nearly halfway. <laughs> Nearly, Weird. yeah. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Aye. Um, so, did you watch it on the. You didn't watch it on the Sunday? No, I didn't. That, that, that was the plan. Uh, but when it was on the Sunday, I got caught up with other stuff, and then yeah. by the time I was done, it for you, I would have been able to watch it live, but I just couldn't be bothered at the time. No. Um, yeah, I watched it yesterday morning. Ah, uh, okay. Yes, I, I watched it yesterday as well. Yesterday for us being Tuesday. Yeah, and today for us is is it Wednesday today? It is when. I'm so lost with days. <laughs> You're making me doubt myself. Hang on. Yeah. Sure. Yes, it is. It is Wednesday. And we have to pretend like it's Friday for the listeners. Oh, yes. Yeah. But uh, so. but of course, it's it's Friday. Yeah, of yeah. course, it's Friday today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. Quick recap. Liam was just telling me what he's been to see at the cinema. Yes. Um, I'm trying to get in um, uh, as many cinema visits as possible. Uh, what? But, <laughs> okay. Um, no, because it's... Before you, know, before you need, like, ID. Yeah, before before our <laughs> you know before our liberties are completely removed from us. Um, so yes, um, so as listeners would uh, and and you Rob will know, I've seen No Time to Die a ridiculous numerous times at the cinema. Um, but anyway, recently uh, I've seen June. Okay. Um, anything you can say about it at all? Uh, well, I know that you're you're want you're wanting to watch it. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll I'll hold off on my my full sort of review of it if you like but what i will say is if you have the opportunity to see it at the cinema go um in terms just in terms of the visuals itself it's it's absolutely stunning and there's something really rather majestic about the design and how the movie's executed so it you know it uh there's a lot of it's very impressive from that side the cast is amazing um so yeah, if you have the opportunity to go to the cinema, see it, and then uh, at the beginning of this week, because I had some uh, flexi to take uh, at work, so I was able to finish a little bit earlier and head straight to the cinema to um, see the new Wes Anderson film, The French Dispatch, uh, which I thoroughly enjoyed. It, really good film. It uh, it's quite poignant, but uh, also bloody funny. I found myself since since watching it. Um, Thinking about certain parts of the movie and just chuckling to myself, it uh, it stuck with me. Now it's just an absolute delight. So that was good. And then on Friday, 
Oh, by which I mean today, dear listeners, uh, I'm going to the cinema again to see Spencer, um, which is a movie about uh, Princess Diana on during the Christmas of 1992 when she decides that um, she's going to basically divorce from uh, Prince Charles and completely remove herself from the royal family um oh yeah i've seen the trailer for that yeah yeah because uh, usually it'd be sort of like something else about princess diana i mean don't get me wrong her death was tragic and she was a, a you know an important figure but it was just really but when i saw the trailer i went mm, actually uh slightly different take on it different uh focus on a particular aspect of her life and it has um kirsten stewart uh, who plays uh, Diana? Looks like she gives a bloody brilliant performance. Timothy Spall, uh, who I haven't seen in ages. Funny enough, a couple of weeks yeah, he ago, he cropped up, didn't he, in that trailer? Yeah, I think he plays the butler in the film. And uh, funny enough, a few weeks ago, this was before I saw the trailer. I was having a conversation with somebody, and he popped up. I'm like, what's he doing these days? Is he quit acting? And then, so, no, he's still acting, and he's in this film. So, uh, and he he always gives a good performance, and. Um, so yes, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, um, Kristen Stewart. I think she's not a favorite of mine. I think one of the big missteps with Twilight was her casting, actually. Ah, oh, right. Okay. Possibly. Uh, well, in in the book, the character she plays, Bella, she's meant to like, be desirable and like, kind of like not. Not as annoying. <laughs> not, not, mopey I think, uh, and, not mopey and irritating. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, I've seen clips. Yeah. I haven't. I can't really comment on the Twilight films because I haven't seen them. But I have seen clips of it, and obviously because they, they were a huge, you know, cultural phenomenon. Can't pronounce that word. Um, <laughs> you know, you, I remember being being on public transport, and you would hear, uh, you know, you would have people talking about whether they were Team Jacob or Team whoever the other bloke was. <laughs> Um, was is Jacob the wolf? He's the wolf, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I remember it's just uh, the last basically saying she was Team Jacob. When she was reading the book, she was with the other bloke, the vampire. Um, That's right. But with the films, because she thought um, uh, Taylor Lautner was quite dishy, uh, she suddenly changed her allegiance. It was all about Team Jacob. You know, you're just aware <laughs> of just people talking about it all the damn time. But, yeah. for, but one of the criticisms I heard was to do with her character both in terms of how she was written as well as the performance it's but a what... complete disaster <laughs> <laughs> maybe I should watch these films just to see how much of a train wreck her performance uh, is but to what... give the films credit a lot of the supporting cast do a really good job mm-hmm. yeah um, yeah <laughs> but, but otherwise nah, it's a little... yeah but I mean um, but judging from her performance in in uh, in Spencer going off the trailer, it actually looks like it's a you know it looks like it's really bloody good. It really does. She was actually in um, Snow White and the Huntsman mm-hmm. a long time, a good ten years ago. Maybe that wasn't very memorable. Maybe yeah, it wasn't a standout performance or anything. Yeah, because yeah. uh, I know that obviously she's been in films since you know for an awfully long Charlie's time. Angels actually recently oh wow okay okay yeah one, one of the angels I yeah but I think this might be the you know the the performance where people maybe take her seriously as an actress because she is getting a lot of um, 
favorable favorable reviews. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to watching that actually. Yeah. I went to the cinema yesterday. I went to see Marvel's Eternals. Right. Okay. Thoughts. That's a strange one to sum up. From the trailer, I wasn't really, I wasn't that excited, mm-hmm. um, so I didn't actually do that much research into the comics. I knew, I knew um, a lot of the backstory about the Eternals from mm-hmm. the comics, but you know, I wasn't excited for the movie. And when I went to see it, it's it's a bit non-linear, and it's not traditional. It's not paced like a traditional movie as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I oh. mean, it, it it's all there. It has it has like uh, the the characters are established, and it has like a middle act and then a final act. But it's it's a little bit all over the place. The pacing of it. There was a lot of main characters. I don't think they had a chance to really um, present these characters and let us get to know them as well. Um, but a lot of interesting characters were potential. But um, otherwise, it was a good film. Not one of the best Marvels, but um, it exceeded my expectations. All right, okay. Well, because um, I wasn't really aware that it was coming out. Because the Marvel movies are not—I'm not really massively into them. I can kind of take or leave them. And yeah, oh, of course, there was a couple of post-credit scenes there, which I can't talk about. <laughs> right, okay. Um, <laughs> but I only became aware of it when it entered the news because it has. Um, I can't remember if it has one or two, but it has one or two uh, gay characters in it, and this has caused some controversy controversy with some Middle Eastern countries. I think Saudi Arabia definitely being one of them. Um, it was definitely something that I think they would have had a trouble. You know, some things in certain countries they'll just cut a scene from a film if it's a kiss or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, maybe this was one where they would have had trouble marketing it to other countries. Possibly, well, it was a, it was a minor scene, but it it was uh, basically two two men who uh, are a couple who are married and they have a child. Right. Yes, that was it. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I, I had read that. I forgot. But yes, um, and these countries had demanded that uh, the distributor uh, and the filmmakers cut those scenes, but they refused, and so they went, "Okay, okay. Well, we're not releasing it in our territories." And they were like, "All right, okay, fine. That's up to you." So I, I became aware of it from, from that side, but now that uh, the film has been released and some people are, are seeing it, I'm seeing um, uh, some people saying that it's clearly the worst Marvel movie. Oh, do you think that's too much? That's definitely a bit much. Uh, visually, it's brilliant. Um, the way the story's presented, it's a little bit all, all over the place, and it's. It was very. It was a very long film. It was. Mm. It was well. Over, I'm sure it was well over the two hour mark. It was quite quite a long film. And like I said, the story was set in present day, but it kept jumping back and forward over the past seven thousand years, and not enough time to get the, get to know the characters. I know they'll be back for more films. Mm. Um, it was all right. Yeah, definitely not the worst. <laughs> that should go on, yeah. that should go on yeah. there. definitely not the worst Rob yeah <laughs> mine's Shang-Chi that I saw the other month that was really good yes I remember you saying like, that, um... entertaining mm-hmm. in that kind of way yeah that's good. 
Yeah, not much else to say about that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's move on. So, uh, anything else before we do move on to the story in hand? Uh, no, I think that's everything from me. Yeah. Oh, uh, of course, uh, we did do the after show yesterday. On Tuesday, rather. <laughs> on YouTube. <laughs> yes, um, it was funny. Did you have a chance to jump in? No. The reason being, Rob, is because... <laughs> Uh, bad timing on my part. That's when I decided to watch, when I decided to watch Doctor Who. Oh, right, okay. Uh, yeah, so sorry about that. How did it go? It went really well. It actually worked this time. Excellent. Well, I did have a bit of a hiccup at the beginning because there was some major sound issues the previous week. So I thought, okay, I'm going to do extra sound tests this week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, this week it was the sound test that messed it up because... I had two laptops out. I had the broadcast software on one, YouTube Studio on the other. And I'd scheduled a test stream, private, and I also had the live stream tested. So I clicked broadcast on one laptop for the test stream, but then the other laptop went live with the mainstream for a split second and then cancelled it. And the whole live stream that I had listed just came and went in a second. I had to relist it, but the problem was... The link that I'd been promoting for like a week <laughs> didn't exist anymore, so I had to quickly post a new link to socials. <laughs> right, uh, okay. So probably lost a few viewers initially. But it, it went really well, I think. It did actually run up to like 2 hours 40 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, even though there was a lot less to talk about this week. Um, it was good though, yeah. Oh, good, good. I'm pleased it went yeah. well. Everyone seemed to enjoy it. Mm. Right. <laughs> oh, and I'll just play something. We had... John from the Doctor Who Versus podcast sent uh, tagged us in an audio review of um, the Halloween Apocalypse. Um, I'll just play that now. If we take a step back and we look at the big picture, this is a six-part story. Modern series, recently, the stories have run 50 to 60 minutes. So think of this part one of a six-part story think of this the halloween apocalypse as the first 10 minutes of the story when you look at it that way and you go through the checklist one establish characters relationships motives okay we have the doctor yaz and dan we're establishing those relationships we're introducing dan we're introducing introducing carvinista we're introducing swarm Vinder, Claire, Diane, these people are being introduced. Their motives, many of them, their motives are being revealed. Carvanista, Swarm, Dan, Yaz, the Doctor. So that's a check. Two, show us the goals or destination or preferred outcome. Save humanity. Prevent Flux from destroying everything. Check. Three, present immediate and or future obstacles for our heroes. The immediate danger is flux. The future danger is swarm. Check. Four. And go. Push off and go, go, go. The and go moment, I'd say, is that cliffhanger. I'd say that's quite the and go moment. Were we not all ready to just go, go, go? Like, oh, no, give us more, 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 more. We need more. Let's go. Let's do this. Like, 
that was the end go moment. So when you apply the first 10 minute checklist directly to the Halloween apocalypse, it's a check, 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 check. So looking at it that way, the show is a success. From an analytical point of view, it's rock solid, and as a fan, I loved it. I wish it didn't end. I wish I could have watched part two right then. Yeah, I loved that. That was a that was excellent. Um, yeah, he he he's right. If you look at it as if it's well, um, it's like what we said. Um, it is it is the episode setting everything up, and it had an awful lot to set up. Um, uh, but you're, but he's he's completely right. If you if you're looking at it from the the point of view is in the first ten minutes of a, a of a long established series, it's doing all those things and it did it, it did it incredibly well. Um, it uh, it was certainly very captivating. Certainly kept one's interest. I thought it was a it was a good episode, uh, and it's like what we were both saying when when we reviewed the the Halloween apocalypse, which is that. Um, it's really the arguably for certainly for me, but I think arguably for both of us, it's the first time in the Christian era where something has been established in a really strong, strong way, narratively with characters which which interest. Uh, there's a mystery there which we want to um, uh, that we find interesting enough to want to discover and all the rest of it, and um, it's the best that the Chibnall era has been arguably and uh this is the this is the mark of a good writer um which is what he which he was going on about with by ticking all those uh those key ingredients that you as a writer have to establish um yeah i thought that was a that was a very good strong way of 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 looking at it yeah that was good i enjoyed listening to that yeah thanks john yeah hi yeah but yeah, in, I think in retrospect, looking back, it, the, I did enjoy the fir- the first episode was really good. I know I did I did give it a solid like eight out of ten. <laughs> but yeah, uh, but that's still that yeah. that's still respectable. That's still a yeah. damn good score. To me, given something, you know, if you're giving something, I would say seven out of ten upwards. I think what you're saying is there. It's it, it's 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 good stuff. Um, six is just a bit above average. Five is obviously average, and anything beneath, you know, below that is mm, dodgy. So no, I think eight, eight out of ten is still a good, respectable score to give something. So on with the war. Uh, sorry, War of the Santarans. <laughs> um, I actually watched um, the time. What's the story called? Is that the Time Monster? What's the Santaran story called? Or links? Oh, the Time Warrior, which gets referenced. Time Warrior, yes. yes. Why was I saying, I was saying the Time Monster? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I, I did actually watch that. I thought if there's one thing I need to watch before this, what should I watch? So I did stick that on. I really enjoyed it. I haven't seen it in years. Mm-hmm. It is, a, um, it is a good one. Yeah, yeah. I had a hunch maybe I should because I noticed the armor is like almost um, identical to Lynx's armor. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the helmet. Um, yeah. So, the Doctor has an unexpected encounter with one of her deadliest enemies when the Santarans have a new faction in the Crimean War. As the British Army goes in, into pitched battle with the warlike aliens, the Doctor and her companions seek the help of renowned nurse Mary Seacole, uh, while an ancient temple hides mysterious secrets. 
Mm. So there was not as much mystery as the first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, this story was kind of compartmentalized um, with like the the three the three parts of the story um, because um, the three main characters um, kind of go the separate ways. Um, but let's talk about that opening scene, the cold opening. We have um, following on from the flux approaching the TARDIS, um, which was pretty much the end. Um, we have the Doctor in sort of... She's experiencing like a vision and there's this floating house in the sky. Uh, what did you make of that? Because it wasn't, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't retouched upon at any point in the story no no it wasn't but i thought uh i thought it was a very good visual and um this it was all shot in black and white which mm. lends it a, an atmosphere as well um yeah and it was this what looked like a strange abandoned house but twisted and looking from many different perspectives like formed into one um i thought it was visually very strong i really liked it as i said it, i also thought it was it was atmospheric um, there was a couple of things that crossed my mind. Uh, it sort of made me think that it looked because it was it wasn't quite in the sky. It seemed like it was sort of floating above inside a crater. Yeah. Um, and I was wondering if it was some sort of some sort of parody of the capital uh, on Gallifrey. Okay, I didn't think of that. Um, so that crossed my mind when I saw it. Uh, the other thing as well is, or it could be an interpretation of what's happening to the TARDIS. Um, because in the previous episode, because of, I think it's quite obvious that because of what's happening to time is affecting the TARDIS. And, you know, the, the crystalline structure is being affected. But then, uh, the, you know, you were going through, uh, going through the doors of the TARDIS and it was either, uh, it was sort of twisted at, a, twisted at an angle or... Uh, you would be coming through one door which has suddenly appeared in the console room and so I was kind of wondering if it was supposed to actually be a representation of what's happening to the TARDIS. Or it could be both. Yeah. But, but that's what that's what I thought. Um, we'll see whether um, that pops up again in the series because uh, it could just be the case of um, this is sort of what's happening to the TARDIS. Um, yeah. And... Or it could be something from the Doctor's past, like a vision, mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, but in, but in terms of, uh, I thought, as I said, I thought it was a great visual and a, a really good um, uh, an atmospheric as well. I mean, what were your thoughts with it? Um, well, I thought this is this is quite interesting, and it totally slipped my mind um, until I thought about it later in the day. Um, but yeah. I didn't, I didn't know what to make of it. I certainly wasn't kind of drawn comparisons to Gallifrey or the TARDIS. Well, you know, I mean, being being yeah. a Doctor Who fan, obviously, yeah. you know, you, 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 you can't... Over-analyse. Yeah, over-analyse it. And of course it's a Time Lord. It's always Gallifrey, and uh, and then until until it, it transpires that it's, it's not. It's not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, typically we'll have this great cliffhanger last week, and we'll find out that the three of them have just been kind of flung onto the, the battlefield uh, Sebastopol mm-hmm. uh, so yeah it was. It didn't quite answer what happened uh, I guess maybe the TARDIS escaped and flung them out or or well, something. Well that's what I thought it was it was the TARDIS has dumped them at a, at a moment which is quite early on in, in the time 
paradox or time issues that are going to arise. Um, because as it's established, uh, the Sontarans are, have used the Flux as a means to invade Earth. And this is the earliest point in which they could do it. So the TARDIS has has you know flung them there and has has made itself inaccessible. So it's as it, yeah. you know it's it's flung them there as as the earliest point of what's about to happen will happen and um, uh, but also as a safety protocol has has locked them all out. Yeah, and they're on the battlefield. Uh, this is where they meet Mary Seacole. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, she takes them along to uh, the the is it the barracks or the the hospital? Uh, hotel. Hotel. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Aye. Um, and this is where Dan and Yaz kind of disappear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did see a, a photo of Dan's hand glowing before I saw the episode. And I thought maybe he was regenerated. <laughs> oh right. Okay. Yeah, he might still be a doctor. Who knows? Funny enough, ages ago, I came. I had this idea of. I wonder if uh, you could have a series where the doctor is. I don't think this is what's happening here, but um, where the doctor meets uh, meets someone, becomes their companion, um, but there's something quite off with with the companion, and then what ends up happening is it turns out that actually that companion is the immediate future incarnation of the Doctor and then so when they're... Anyway. Um, That's a great idea, but I don't think John Bishop is the right fit for that. No. I, well, as I said, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't think he, uh, I don't think he is a future version of the Doctor. <laughs> but, uh, or the, the dog. To, no. That's, that's what we could call... Uh, <laughs> Carvinista. Right? You heard it here, folks. It's, it's our theory. And if we're proven wrong, <laughs> hey, no. it might become commonplace. Chris soon. Chibnall uh, missed out on yeah. a trick there. <laughs> Aye. So we'll have Dan taken back to present day, but something's wrong. Yeah, the Santarans are there. Oh, and his mum and dad are there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What do you make of them? Do you like them? Yes, I, I like yeah. them. Yeah, they they they're great. I think they they add to. Uh, I'd like to, whether they do or not. We'll, we'll obviously have to wait and see. But I, w- I would like it if they they returned uh, later on in the series, because uh, I just think they're nice characters played very very well. Um, it's sort of the it's hu- always nice seeing the companions' families. Yes, it is, and um, you can kind of see where he gets his character from. With you know, and they're able to have a laugh in the, in in the situation. With uh, with the dad saying that you know he's able to carry himself because he was uh, some kind of boxing champion in 1966. It's like oh yeah, we've heard it all before, and all the rest of it. And I loved the whole thing about that. It was discovered that if you hit the Santarans by the back of the probic vent, because it uh, it was uh, was it Bristol or no, not Bristol. No, it was it was a Birkenhead. Yes, I think it was. Um, some place begin with B anyway. Um, <laughs> Uh, saying that it was some drunk, somewhere. yeah, some some drunk bloke who just thought he'd he'd have a go, uh, and ended up uh, finding out if you hit the the Santorans at the back of the neck, then it knocks them out. I just, I love that. That's how that was discovered. So, yeah. uh, so I love I loved all that, and um, is, yeah, I just thought it was great, and I, I would like yeah. to see them again. Yeah, 
Uh, and I think they'd said that the Suntarans had been there for two days. Mm-hmm. So, um, which is different to how they kind of perceived them in the past. They just felt like they'd been there forever. Yes. Uh, so going um, back to the Crimean War, the Doctor um, is shown the war map and well, no, sorry, just just the world map, mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's kind of like dotting around all the tiny countries, <laughs> and then she's just kind of like just. Just checks the largest one at the end. How did you not notice it? <laughs> Camera just hey, it's all in the detail. Suntar. You've got to make sure I just nail it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> Russia doesn't exist. <laughs> it's Sontar. Yeah. And then we have that remark um, where she says to them, uh, "Is it just like a like a memory, like a, a memory or something of some?" Yeah, because because she mentions Russia, and then they're like, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did, yeah, yeah, I thought that was good. So yeah, time's kind of in flux there. Aye. Oh, so uh, we're introduced to Dan Starkey as the Sontaran. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you make of him compared to his previous uh, performances? I've always... Has thought... he, he only ever played one Sontaran in the past? No, I think he, I think he's played a few. He, he played... Um, oh, what was the one in the Victorian era? Is that Strax? They're all... Yeah, yeah, Strax, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so he, he played him consistently, but I'm sure he played uh, Santarans like in the Poison Sky. Uh, oh, right, I didn't know he was uh, He was in it all the way back then. I think he was. Oh, I'm interested to check out. Yeah. Um, they all look the same. Yeah, I'll forgive <laughs> you if you're mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they all, well, that is the point. They all look the same. Um, I thought it was a good performance. I mean, again, he's playing the... Um, Clearly comedic, uh, Santaran, but he does it very well. Um, you could tell it was him. Uh, he yeah. just got, oh, he's back. It was great to see him because he's always given a great performance. Um, and as I said before, my my prop my issue with the Santarans in the new era uh, wasn't to do with the performance. Uh, I thought the performances were always very good. It was just I thought that. Um, the the approach and how they were written was was too comedic. They didn't seem to be a serious threat in that sense. Whereas, whereas here, like I said when we were reviewing the Halloween Apocalypse, I think they've got the balance right. They've got the humour of the Santorans, but they've also got the threat. Um, mm. But he was playing the the comic relief Santoran, if you like. I did actually think his performance was a lot more uh, was a bit more subtle than compared to previous times uh, previous times um yeah was he playing the same Santaran here that we saw on the hologram last week I, d- I don't know if it's the very same one or was that other guy some kind of general um i would have thought they were different simply because yeah. his his character gets executed at the end uh during the course of oh this yes episode. yeah like uh the guy in the hologram was his old mate yeah, and plus uh, he was much older and much more battle scarred yeah. and, and very ugly as it as it was established. Oh, yes. Very oh. disgusting. Um, <laughs> whereas here, because he's been kidnapped by the enemy and then allowed to go, it's it's a dishonor. So he he asks to be executed. Yeah. Santaho. <laughs> mm. <laughs> he does lead them there. They go through this kind of uh, a barrier or like a like a like a veil over the whole uh, place where the ships are. The Mary Seacole goes with them. Uh, I think she's she plays the character well. Do you think she's utilised well in this story? 
Because she's just kind of left on the hill hilltop to make notes and observations. Yeah, you, you get this. Uh, yeah, she is pretty much introduced and then dumped as just sort of, uh, g- can you just stay here and make some notes, please? And then is and then we, we carry on. Um, I think a big part of, I mean, it serves a function in the story um, and is fine from that perspective. I think they get away with it really because of the actress. Uh, yeah. Because, as you say, you know, she plays that part incredibly well, um, and you know, and is is instantly very likable. And there's a very good rapport between uh, the Doctor and Mary, uh, yeah. which is just a, an absolute delight. But yeah, I, I suppose in some respects you could say that um, they could have used her character a bit more, because really, in some respects, you know, you land in this historical period. You're introduced to a real historical character. And then they're pretty much sidelined. It, in some respects, it could be argued that you could have that could have been anybody. You could have you could have written uh, someone else and went, oh, they um, they have good observational skills. Oh, in which case, uh, you stay here, make notes, and I'll come back and read them. Um, yeah. So I mean, I, I get the impression um, the she the doctor just says farewell to her, and that's that's it. But, you know, with Flux, there's always a possibility that um, characters could come back in a few episodes. Yes, you know, that is true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We haven't spoke about um, what's been happening to Yaz and Vinda yet. So, Vinda escaped the Flux, and he... We do see his escape pod. um, Do we see the establishing shot of the planet, I think? The planet time, I don't know. I I don't think we do, no. But then we do see, uh, we do see him kind of wake up there, mm-hmm. um, and uh, someone in the comments on the live feed last night um, said what I thought initially. It sounded like John Leeson, the voice of the, uh, the flying lantern. You know what? I've been meaning to check. Uh, it's be- yeah, because it's when nice. I was watching the episode, which I loved, but when um, so you've got these these um, these glass things. Uh, which look, uh, which are sort of upside down uh, triangles, yeah. with uh, a light inside. Um, and when I was watching the episode, yeah, it was bugging me. I went, I know that voice. Who? Yeah. Um, I'm gonna have to check this. Hang on. But uh, carry on, Rob. I'll, I'll 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 do a Google check and then. Uh, All right. Um, yeah. So the, this kind of uh, this little floating lantern thing, like this drone, um, it approaches them and it's in. Uh, I think it's saying, can you repair? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so instantly that sounds a bit ominous. <laughs> it's been a bit vague. Um, and then when we see, when we come into the main chamber in this, in this, um, this temple, we have uh, a few figures around the cent- center of the room. And they kind of appear, um, it's a proximity. Mm-hmm. And they kind of appear like holograms, but they're not. Um, do you think they're real people? Oh yeah, they're real people. Yeah. Um but of course they kind of two of them have kind of um died or expired or something. Um inconveniently we have um Yaz and Vinda here, so it's kinda of obvious that they're gonna take the place. Um but Yaz arrives and she sees the guy from um the eighteen hundreds in the tunnel. Yes, Williamson. Very briefly. Um, so yeah, he'll be back. 
I wonder if he's going to be in it the most frequently, but in like short bursts. He might show up uh, like a little bit every episode. Yeah, I think so. Um, he didn't seem to be that... Um... Phased by it all. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe he's uh, he's used to weird things going on. Do you think he just came there from his tunnels underground? It, yeah, it's it's it seems because he just wandered. Well, he just wandered off like he was going back home or something. Mm. Mm. But uh, the priest triangle uh, was voiced by Nigel Lambert, mm. and I mean he has a, had a he's had a long career just on IMDb. I mean going back to he's appeared in you know an episode of Dixon of Doc Green, Emergency War Ten. He was in an episode of Blake Seven, I think, in the second series. By the looks of it, he was in the Avengers. UFO, the Needle Line, um, yeah. Uh, oh, he was in the Leisure Hive, um, the Tom Baker story, the first one of season Ooh, eighteen. Yes, someone actually mentioned this last night. Now, now, now I remember that. Yeah. Yes, he played Harden. Of course. Yeah. Right. Um, so yes, he has appeared in Doctor Who before. Yeah. He's appeared in Bergerac. Uh, the Bill, which British actor hasn't, Heartbeat, he's he's done, and then he's done an awful he's done an awful lot of uh, voice acting in um, things. Like, if it, I mean, I'd, it looks like uh, kids' programs, The Princess and the Pea, The King's Beard. Um, yeah, so so yeah, right. he's he's done an awful lot. So yeah, it was it was bugging me because I I, cle- I recognised the voice. I couldn't quite place it. Funny enough, because I was thinking, is it John Leeson? It sounds like John. No, it's not. But no, it's uh, it was Nigel Lambert. Right. Okay. Um, you know, he, he does die in the episode as well. <laughs> was there only one of them? These floating lanterns. I no, I think guess. there was. Uh, no, there was a couple oh. because I'm jumping ahead when when Azure and uh, Swarm are there. Azure destroys one, and then later on we, you know, we see another priest triangle. Mm, yeah. So uh, we learn that this is the planet Time. Uh, of course, um, you know, I, I can't even remember the guy's name. You know, the main villain, uh, the Swarm, mm-hmm. and his sister. Uh, they turn up, and that's where they kind of destroy the the drone thing. Um, who's do they arrive after Yaz and and Vinda do in the main room? Yes. How does that how does that play out? I can't remember. Um, well, Vinda and uh, Yaz uh, appear. Uh, Vinda is appears to be the first one, and he's the one who encounters the priest triangle, uh, going, "Can you repair? Can you repair?" Uh, so he goes to see what needs to be repaired. Yaz then appears, um, and then gets asked the same question, and then is taken into the the main room of the, the yeah. uh, of the temple. Yeah. I did like I did like Vinder and Yaz introducing each other to each other. <laughs> yes, I thought that that yeah I thought that was a good scene, uh, and it was nice as because I said when we were reviewing the Halloween Apocalypse, it was going to be interesting to see how Vinder's character gets caught up into the main narrative. I was curious about that, and I wasn't disappointed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, uh, unfortunately, I've forgotten the actor's name, but uh, he's doing a very good job and had a good uh, rapport with um, Yandip, who plays uh, Yasmin. Um, so yeah, I, I liked all that, and then later on, it's uh, then we see Azure and Swarm and their yes. big henchman. Oh yeah, the guy in the mask. Yeah, who? I, again, I'm not saying because you know when we were uh, talking in the last episode of going well, who who is Swarm? Because he's known to the Doctor. I think he is an original villain, or we certainly hope so. 
Um, but you know, I said when I was first watching it, I was kind of because the bizarre thoughts are going. It could be the master. It's not the master. Could it be the yeah. Black Guardian? Nah. Mm. But yeah. having said that, though, this big henchman bloke reminded me of the Shadow, um, which is a character in the Armageddon. Just in terms of so, it looked like a modernized look of the Shadow, which is the Black Guardian's henchman in the Armageddon factor. It kind of reminded me of that. Ah, we did find th- this this uh, this this masked figure that was with them. Um, on, if you want if anyone wants to check out the live stream that we did this week on YouTube, um, we did actually find out where this where you can buy this mask. It was like eighteen dollars on a website. All right, okay. Yeah. All right. It's, it's like an existing mask. <laughs> oh. Kind of a lazy prop, I think. Yeah. Hey, well, no. If uh, you know, if you can save your your money, because it's you know, if you can save your money, it's cheaper yeah. to buy something rather than you know making designing it, and making I it suppose, from scratch. Yeah. And if it works, it works. If it works, yeah. <laughs> um, but apart from him just having having kind of this looming presence, did they make reference to him at all while he was there, or was he just kind of following them? He's. Yeah, I mean, he's sort of. I mean, he is reference. He's not just in, you know, sort of there and then forgotten about. He, <laughs> he, um, when Swarm tells Vinter to take five steps to his left, um, this big looming presence is there to basically yeah. <laughs> go. Otherwise, this big looming bloke behind you will do something nasty. So, um, he's there as he's there as the muscle. But mm. it's interesting though that they feel that they need him there. Uh, because they're clearly very powerful anyway. Yeah, aye. Yeah, maybe he's the muscle. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, this story isn't as all over the place as the first one, but um, have we missed a few beats in the story yet? Uh, what will we, we haven't covered um, Dan's whole thing in the docks yet. No, I mean because I, I think it is. It, it's much more because we've got all the main. There are still things from the first episode which uh, still haven't been answered. But you know, there were characters in that episode which haven't appeared in this one. Claire being yes, one of them. I really thought Claire would be because the whole nature of the weeping angels sending people back in time, mm-hmm. and we did we did see a flash of her at the end of the Halloween apocalypse where. She's kind of in an outdoors environment, and I thought I just assumed that would be uh, during the Crimean War. Ah, right, okay. Um, so the, the, there's still characters that have been introduced Diane, that we, we need Claire. to see uh, re, uh, see return, but um, it is a it is much more straightforward. Um, I mean, we got three locations, but I think the way that the episode's been written and the way it's been edited, it's it's easy to follow. So we have the Crimea War, we have uh, this temple on the planet Time, and we have modern-day Liverpool. Yeah. Um, and so what? it's sort of established that um, in the first episode, when the, uh, when the dog-like creatures protected the Earth, there was a... There was the a dog tear. Yeah. Um, yeah. There was a uh, there was a brief window in which the Santarans used the opportunity to in, invade before these the dog creatures um, cordoned off the entire planet. Yeah. And then what the, what they've been able to do is using uh, use time is invade Earth at different time periods. Uh, it's it's in keeping with. Um... 
the Suntaran time travel that we've had before. Yes, I guess. In, yeah, in yeah. some ways. But the but the idea is that, and so that they would have always controlled Earth. Um, yeah. But the but the Crimea, uh, the, their uh, invasion at that point in time, with the War of Crimea, is used as the Doctor says as a sort of a, as a pilot study of of invading Earth at that point. Seeing how it and he really out. wanted to ride a horse, and he really wanted to ride a horse, which I thought was great. That was that, that, that line did make me laugh. And then lo and behold, you do see us on Tauren on a horse, which is an image which I didn't realise that I needed, but there you are. <laughs> Turns out I did, and it was yeah. absolutely great. Um, I love the reference to the to links, though. Yes, I thought with that... his tiny little feeble flag. Yes, in the time warrior. Yeah, I thought you know claiming uh, Earth in the name of the Santaran Empire. Yeah. I thought that 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 was a nice that was a nice reference. You don't have to have seen the Time Earth in order, you know. Uh, the, the the reference is very clear, but yeah. it's it's a nice. How do they nod. know though? There must have, maybe some transmission was sent from Lynx's ship. I would have thought so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it must have been. Aye. Um, but uh, so that's what's happening there, and but the idea is that um, in order for the Centaurans plan to work, is that um, there has to be they basically have to enact their plan of invasion at a certain point so it all sort of marries up um so the doctor is able to, i mean we can go into the specifics of this but the doctor is able to defeat the plans of the crimea war um dan in modern day liverpool is able to do the same in with uh the, the help of is it carvinistra carvinista carvinista yes uh with his help um by Getting control of a Centauran ship and crashing it into the others, but this causes what's it? Um, a time. There's a phrase that they use. Oh, um, I don't know. But anyway, the, 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 whatever the term is, it basically means that crashing <clears throat> into the, the the spaceship is affects uh, the, the affects all the all the other Centaurans' plans to invade Earth at the different. At the different po- time points, so yeah, boom, that sorts oh, that. Oh, I I love that you know that bit where Dan speaks to the Doctor um, across the time t- time periods. Yes, mm-hmm. um, and he's trying to say he, he kind of misheard temporal. Things <laughs> to say t- temporary. <laughs> yes, he's got the the obsessed with Japanese food for some reason. They were talking about tempura. <laughs> could have been temporal and it just again just uh, the way he was performing just going oh yeah that would, that would make more sense yes you're yeah. right I thought that, that fills great. me with confidence that um, he's not playing dumb he just is <laughs> he is a bit dumb <laughs> I say fills me with confidence I'm just confident that yeah it's, yeah. it's going to be an interesting character yeah fun character yeah yeah and because uh, I think you said it in the very first live um after show that you did, I think you, I think it was you, Rob, who said that you, uh, even though that you really liked the fam of the previous seasons of, of series with Jodie Whittaker, uh, John Bishop, um, you actually think is is much is a much better character and just plays the part better compared to what we've seen. Oh yes, the humour is a lot better than um, of course we had uh, Bradley Walsh. Yeah. And you know, I love I love Bradley Walsh. I thought I thought he was good, and I did like the character. But I've got to say, John, I, I, I like John Bishop more, just totally. in terms of preference. And I, I do like his character a lot better uh, as well. So I totally agree. Oh, I had the big battle sequence, which was quite good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was brief, but it was good. 
Um, especially the big wide shot. Yes, I thought that was uh, I thought that was well done, uh, and it's a great visual image of of having something. I just really like that juxtaposition of um, the nineteenth um, century uh, British army fighting something, you know, much more modern and technological with the Sontarans. There's something about that juxtaposition as a visual, which just seems to work and is very pleasing. It's a bit yeah. difficult to articulate why, but I just think it, I just think it looked great, and it was a unique position uh, because. Um, they believed the Sontarans had been there this whole time. So it's not like they're having to um, acclimatise to fighting an alien. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a company when it went into battle with them. Mm. So um, one of the things... I'm, I'm, hold, I'm, hold, I'm holding back on uh, what happens on the planet Time, because I think... yeah. Because that, that that's getting more towards the the very end of the episode, but uh, one of the things that we we haven't talked about is how they defeat the Sontarans in the Crimean period. And we also had the thing introduced of the uh, yeah the um, is it the, the seven hour. Uh, they take a seven minute rest every twenty odd hours. Yeah, apart from um, apart from Dan Starkey, the prisoner. How long had he been there? No, if you remember, because Mary Seacombe is able to observe that through observing him. Right, okay. Uh, he takes a rest. And not forgetting he is being nursed. Mm. Um, but he, but she's able to observe that he... T- and this is when it's established in the episode, so quite early on, that fr- from her ob- observations of this Sontaran is able to... Uh, he takes seven-minute breaks every... However often it is, I can't remember now. And they use this to an advantage mm-hmm. and uh, blow them all up. Well, the idea is uh, that's the general's uh, idea, which not which really <laughs> irritates the doctor. So it's just a case of um, sabotage. So during the seven-minute period, they all go onto their ship to effectively uh, re-energize themselves and refuel and sort out their gear. Um, but the doctor is able to sabotage the ship, so they don't they don't fully quite, re-energize. Quite a big weakness. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, that only works if you're able to get as, as close to them and and do what you need to do within seven minutes. Because they have to do mm. this with all the ships that are there, but they're yeah. able to do it. Um, oh yeah. Uh, and the idea is that it, it weakens them, so that forces forces them to go into retreat. But what happens is the generals use that as an opportunity to uh, get a ho- you know all the barrels of dynamite, and mm. then uh, when they're all back onto the ship again, to blow them all up. Which the doctor's not very happy about because they were about to go on a retreat. Uh, I don't know no. what your thoughts are on this, Rob, but uh, my thought was no. I'm despite the fact that he's been a complete arse during the most of this episode. I was with the general on this one. Well, yeah, um, they're at war as well. Yeah, unless they've um, and it's, yeah and... signed some kind of treaty. Um, then why why wouldn't they? Um, you. Just take something as a tactical advantage. Yeah, exactly. You're at war with you know these people. You know you you've seen your army being completely slaughtered. This has been going on for quite some time, um, and they made it perfectly clear that we're going to come back. And as you said, Rob, it's not as if they've signed a peace treaty or anything like that. They're still they're still going to pose a threat. Yeah. Just because you've temporarily weakened them doesn't mean right. That's the war finished, lads. No. Yeah. I um, think if you hadn't if you hadn't done it, they all would have been slaughtered. Yeah, exactly. So no, I was it was like, oh, shut up. 
doctor for God's sake. Um, so no, I'm sorry on this occasion. I was with the general on that one. Yeah, we've got a technical uh, tactical advantage. Keeping in mind that these are aliens who are much more technically adv- uh, advanced than you are, you've got this advantage. You'd be stupid not to take it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was. I thought it was um. Sod off, Doctor Man. You've done your bit. Great. They're blowing up. They're not a threat now. Jog on. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I need to rewatch this one and uh, take more consideration into it being a Santaran story because I was too busy thinking of Flux as the whole, and I was thinking uh, we're not getting any more significant mystery here, and there's not as much going on as the first episode. Um, no, yeah, I but I, I need to give it, give it a second watch, a bit more relaxed, and just kind of appreciate it more. Yeah, and just go with the flow of it. Yeah, I think pro- probably that is. But I mean, there's still the mystery because we still don't know uh, who Swarm is and what his intentions are. I mean, mm-hmm. clearly they're not good. Uh, I've got to say, I love. Uh, he's a very snappy dresser. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Clearly takes both his, of them are. Clearly takes his uh, fashion designs off prints. You know? Yeah, <laughs> it's great. Um, Visually, everything's good in this series so far. Yes, yeah, I yeah. Think. Uh, the, the makeup design, the clothes, the um, the engagement at the battle, all the Santaran ships um, mm-hmm. looks photorealistic. Would you say? Yes, I think so. Yeah, it D- yeah. doesn't look as. Um, I don't know how CGI it looked back in series four. Um, the Santaran ships. Um, but I'd imagine it did look a bit a bit fake. But um, <laughs> yeah, Probably. I think the f- nothing's looked um, apart from maybe the opening scene um, to the Halloween apocalypse. The whole um, flying around on broomstick <laughs> kind of scene. Yeah, but I mean, at the time we thought that looked really good. And well, yes, things, we did. Yeah, yeah, and we did say it was very visually. I'm thinking more about the physics of it all. <laughs> all right. Okay. Uh, oh, and uh, so there's these weird things growing in the TARDIS now. Out of the walls. Yes. Do you think it's going through some kind of transformation or just breaking down? I think it's. It looks like it's it's breaking down because it, I mean the because these look like it's it's because we've got some of the crystalline structure breaking down and then we got. But then there was like new new structures coming yeah. out of the wall that weren't mm. crystal. Some. Uh, yeah, but it's it's interesting because uh, so the TARDIS gets hijacked. Um, uh, and it was quite quite a nice scene that in Liverpool, um, you know, Dan and uh, Carbonista have um, destroyed the Santarans and the ships there. Um, so, you know, uh, and saving Earth. Uh, and the Doctor saying, right, I need to find Yaz. And then turn to Dan, do you want to come? I just thought that was a nice, that was a nice scene. You know, do, do you want, do, do you want to join? And just that, there's just the brief moment where he contemplates it going, yeah, all right. So they yeah. then go... I like that when when people are invited to go along. Yes, it's it, it, yeah, it's just a nice straightforward moment, but it, it it's just quite nice to see. Um, um, so the doctor clearly, clearly likes Dan, uh, and he's clearly very. Oh, I had this great moment with um the with Dan and Carvinista, um, where where they're like, oh, I'll be glad not to see you again. But then they had like a little a little nod. <laughs> Of appreciation. Yeah, that, that that was all great as well. I, I love their relationship and how that's establishing. Yeah, there's just that sort of like, yeah, you're a pain in the arse, but I like you really type thing. Um, so that's yeah. all great. And as you say, and then they go into the TARDIS and they're, they're seeing all these new structures and it's like, yeah, they say, oh, poor TARDIS. What the hell's going on? 
but the TARDIS gets hijacked by Swarm and Azure, which takes them to this this temple on on the planet Time. And it's interesting because Swarm say, says that um, what he's doing will affect the TARDIS. But he's, I've forgotten the exact line of dialogue now, but he's basically saying that he's temporarily protected it. All right. Uh, yeah, that. basically in order to, to get them there. Um, which I thought was, I thought, which I thought was interesting, and even though I've liked yeah. the whole the whole episode, uh, and has kept me entertained, and I will more than happily rewatch it. For me, this is the this is the best bit of the episode. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, you have the Doctor having having a proper scene with the main villain. Um. Yeah, she, she's be, she's come face to face with him in a, in like a telepathic yeah. vision. Um, but but uh, this is the first time she's seen mm-hmm. him properly. Uh, and it's I think it's written very well. It's performed very well, directed, and all the rest of it. And it re- and the tension during um, during the scene builds, um, aided very well with a, with a countdown. Uh, you can't beat a countdown to to help you build up the tension. But no. it's at this moment that we find out that this is the planet Time, um, which is this dangerous force which has been, which uh, has been effectively controlled by these. I suppose you call them priestesses, would you? I guess. Um, so. But something happened, and was it that they've been um, maintaining like the structure of time or something? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's uh, that was what that was um, that was what was implied. But something's happened to them, um, and so they they place themselves in a temporal status, but they haven't been able to control time. Hence, the reason why the flux has been happening. It's interesting as well because it seemed it was also uh, said that uh, Swarm and Azure were known to these people, and they fought them before. Right, yeah. So there's mm. a you know there's, there's a history there, um, but he. But Swarm kills two of these and replaces them with Yaz and and, and uh, Vinda, yes. Vinda. Um, which we all saw coming. Yeah, but I th- yeah, yes, we did. But nonetheless, <laughs> I still thought it was a very good reveal. I got out. So yes, like you said, we'll have this countdown, mm. and kind of like I don't know time is going to be passed through. And, uh, yeah, they might not survive. Yeah, it possibly. was because uh, he's put them there to help control the flux as much as possible. But they're but they're not these priestesses. And then he's putting across, well, they're not really uh, fit for purpose. Snap my fingers, and the yeah. ravages of time will will kill Yaz. And during this conversation, I um, I love how it's shot with the 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 the, the close tight uh, with the the the, um, the tight close ups between. Uh, swarm and the doctor um as they converse and with the with azure doing the countdown from five four three two one to uh swarm clicking his uh fingers and then we go i, I thought it was, it's like wow this is a really good cliffhanger um yeah i hope it pays off in the uh in the next mm. episode Un- unlike um the cliffhanger episode one where they just woke up in yeah. the fields. I mean, 
I know what you mean. I, I did think that uh, the resolution to the cliffhanger worked. I didn't f- uh, with this episode. I did feel I didn't feel like I was cheated or anything. Yeah, it did. But yeah, you know no, what I mean. I yeah, it's mean like, they're in a completely was, different this scenario. Was really tense. It's like what exactly happened? <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, and it would be a bit disappointing of just going. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully it's it's a good payoff. But I thought at the moment it was a damn good cliffhanger, and I'm very very keen to find out what happens next. Yeah. Uh, of course, we're just assuming that uh, Swarm is bad. We don't really know anyone's motives. If he's try, he might be trying to fix things and stop the flux. We just don't. Know. Uh, th- that's a good point, but at the same time, him and Azure like, we, we, have we killed We justified people. that general's actions for killing the Santarans. <laughs> yeah. Um, from Swarm's point of view, you know, maybe he's, maybe he was at odds with the Doctor, but the Doctor was a bit of a. A meddler with time when she was working for the division. Mm, that's a good point, actually. So yeah, uh, it'd be interesting to see how it goes. And 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 anyone with the swarms, uh, tremendous dress sense can't be all that bad. No, <laughs> he has we'll got see. tremendous style. Uh... Uh, so the next episode is called "Once Upon Time," uh, being the planet time, I assume. Yes, it uh, seems likely. Yeah. Um. So maybe we might get a. Um, a bit of established backstory mm-hmm. for that, possibly. Um, but where else is it going? Because we have the Cybermen back. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I wonder if the characters will kind of stick together next week. Do you think? Because they've already been off the se- off on the separate ways. Yeah, I think. I mean, it's it, it's crazy because with the next episode, we're going to be halfway through the series. Um, it would be nice to see. Uh, I mean, I'm assuming Yaz lives. Um, yeah, and I'm assuming Vinda kind of stays with them. Yeah, I, I think that would be. Maybe this is the point where the, the full team kind of. Yes, together. I think so. I think it'd be quite nice to see. Um, uh-huh. But I'm definitely looking forward to the next episode. Totally. Yeah, I still can't decide if Vinda's. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people probably know this because they're uh, they might be big into spoilers and reveals and things. But I'd, I'm still not sure if Vinda is human or Time Lord. Uh, yeah, I'd I'd be very surprised if he is a time lord. Um, and yeah. to be honest, I, um, I mean, it, it depends on how they do it. I think I'd be a bit disappointed if he were. Yeah, but why is he so significant, though? Yeah, and how did he end up there? Hmm. We'll just have to find out. Well, yeah, you don't have the answers, <laughs> my master. I don't know. I'm not Chris Chibnall. <laughs> so I think definitely with it's it, it's so far so good. Um, I'm, I'm really. I loved the first episode, and I definitely loved this one. I thought it was really, really strong. Yeah. Um, I couldn't quite decide when I did the live stream. We kind of summarised my thoughts and kind of gave it a score out of ten. And me and you are past that. You know, um, scoring out of ten is just completely redundant. I think now because it it's it's hard because you, you you set you set a benchmark once you score score something, don't you? And then everything is kind of big. Yeah, on and then you kind of go, well, you know, but yeah. I but I rank this other story. And given how many yeah. stories there are in Doctor Who, it, it, it becomes a bit of a, a minefield. I do prefer the, yeah. the score of going, do you think do you think it's good? Do you think it's average? Or do you think it's bad? Yeah. Well, I give it, because I, I was completely, I, I was undecided. I gave it a 5 out of 10, because not because it was bad, um, but because... It was quite a different formula to the first mm. episode, um, and I wasn't sure if it was. 
I'm, I wasn't. I couldn't decide if it gave the Santarans and Mary Siegel justice um, as a standalone story. And I, I couldn't decide if it answered enough questions or delivered enough mystery. <laughs> I'm a hard man at least. <laughs> yeah, I think I see where you're coming from, uh, but I think giving it five out of ten is a I bit. Th- yeah, you know, it, it's it's more than it average. was. Yeah, I, I regretted it when I said it, and then everyone was giving it low scores. Oh, so <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, um, I think um, going back to our rating system of uh, good, average, and bad, uh, I have to give it a good. Rating. Yeah, I would very. I mean, if, maybe I should have given it an excellent because I think this is an excellent episode. I really, really enjoyed yeah. it. I do need. I, I need to rewatch it um, at some point when mm-hmm. I have the time. Just relax and watch it. Not. Uh, not be overanalyzed. Yeah, I, that's the thing as well. When you when you're seeing a new a Doctor Who, a new Doctor Who story. Uh, for the very first time, for the purposes of a podcast, yeah, you can. yeah, you sat there with a clipboard, <laughs> <laughs> yes, and a pen. Well, not really. I'm not. Doing no, 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 no. But you know, yeah, it, it it does have that sort of feel of going. Uh, but you got to analyze it to some extent. But I'm over analyzing it, you know. Um, but I really, really enjoyed it. I think probably if I, if yeah. I were to criticize it, um, it goes back to your earlier point, Rob, of going well. Maybe you could have utilized Mary Seacole. Um, a bit better because there is a certain aspect of going well really the way that you've utilized that character she could have been anyone sort of yeah um what made i think what made that work though was um uh i mean narratively it serves a purpose so fine yeah Uh, but i think a big part of it was uh was the actress who 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 played it uh played that part yeah i think she'll be a a memorable Mm -hmm. one And, and then as you say um she may actually reappear later on in the series uh, possibly uh, yeah uh, maybe uh, even if it's just in a montage like we had Vincent van Gogh back mm. or in or maybe in a more significant mm-hmm. thing yeah maybe um, but I'm definitely uh, looking forward to uh, the next episode well the whole the rest of the series really and I think it's uh, I'm really pleased because uh, because I think been I know I'm repeating myself because I've said this in previous podcasts, but by and large I have been quite disappointed with the Chris Chibnall era. Um yeah. but finally now that he's about to bow out, it's like right, okay, it looks like you're gonna end up on a high, which is which is nice. Um I yeah. love the the overall ideas and how they've been expressed so far. He's I think the the balance of the uh, of being atmospheric, the threat and the humour I think is I, I really like how that's balanced, um, and we seem to have. I know you you made a good point, Robert. Going well, there's a bit of a question mark of whether this one because we don't really know his intentions. Uh, I mean, he's I mean he's threatening to kill people as well as having killed people, which isn't. Um, yeah, I, mean, I think all the information we've got at the moment is that he's a bit of a carbon copy of the master to some extent, but that's kind of all we've got. Just in the in the fact that he was a nemesis of the Doctor. Yes, in that sense. But then you could say, well, he's a carbon copy but, but, of Davos you know, or of something like that. In that case, um, yeah. But but uh, yeah. Um, I think he's yeah. And uh, but what I was going to say was, I really like the villain. Well, the villains, because uh, you know we have Swarm villains, and yeah. uh, and we have his sister as Uh I really like them as, yeah. as characters. I love the and so. Like, um, I love the whole look of the series, which is as you said. Right across the board, in terms of the cinematography, in terms of the design, in terms of the costumes, the makeup, the lot, 
it's uh, it's really visually striking as well. Um, mm. So it's. I'm optimistic it'll. Uh, it'll yes, stay good. I am as well. Um, yeah. So, so so good. Yeah. Yeah. So um, this is the point where we usually get to listeners' responses, mm-hmm. and you'd think with new Doctor Who on, we might have more than average, but uh, we have none. Ah. Oh. You finally experienced the pain on? of not having it yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's because technically this is um, this week is my podcast. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm, I'm the one who's editing. <laughs> I'm the one who takes the takes the blame. <laughs> yeah, I've got. Uh, yeah, I didn't pick this one, babe. <laughs> it was just on the telly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I suppose with me, it's it's still the worst because when I have no listen, I mean, the thing was just like, yeah, Liam, but you yeah. picked these stories. You picked the naff one. <laughs> How dare you? Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I'll just find it. We did do um, right. a poll. Um, hopefully we've got some results there. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Uh, so we did ask, uh, how would you rate War of the Santarans? Good, average or bad? Okay. Um, how do you think it went, Liam? Um... I would have said that most people would have said it was good, but I, I remember you saying that on the live uh, YouTube discussion that you had. Uh, overwhelmingly bad. <laughs> yeah, it, it, you were saying that people were scoring it quite low. Low. Yeah, quite low. Uh, maybe like, I think some some of them might give it like a four. Mm. Yeah, out of ten. So what do you reckon? Mm. Do you have faith in humanity or... Well, no, not really. But I think on this occasion, really. possibly. I think most people would have said it was good. Yeah, so uh, 80% said it was good. Right, okay, excellent. Uh, and and uh, 10%. Well, actually, there was 10 votes. So two people said it was... One person said average, one person said bad, eight said good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, well, that's good, you know. The, the majority said, yeah. <laughs> said good. I agree with that. Yeah. I think that kind of wraps it up. So we have Once Upon Time next week. We'll also have a title for the following week. Do you know what that is, Liam? Oh, uh, I think I have read it. I can't remember off the top of my head. Is it, it's, I think it's suggesting that the angels appear in that one. Yeah, v- Village of the Angels or something like that. Yes, I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, ho- hopefully that'll be good too. <laughs> no, I'm sure, I'm sure it will be. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Um if you want to see more of us, you know, check us out on social media. We're on Twitter at Podcast Bell, Facebook.com slash Cloister Bell, and Instagram is Cloister underscore Bell. We're also on Patreon.com slash Cloister Bell. Um, if you'd like to support the podcast, um, you can get early access to that. Um, and of course, we're on YouTube as well. Occasionally, I put the podcasts on there. Um, but we do. We are hosting the the uh, the live after show while Flux is on as well, so you should definitely check that out. In fact, all the uh, all the upcoming live streams are listed there in the after show um, Flux playlist, so you can go there and kind of set reminders for them mm-hmm. as well. Um, any any closing remarks, Liam? Anything else to say? Uh, no, I think uh, I think we said it. Other than the fact that I re- again just reiterating, really enjoyed the episode. Though thought it was very very good from from beginning to end. Uh, yeah, and I'm so sorry I rated it so low. <laughs> what were you think? <laughs> it's only because I was I was undecided, so I just picked a middle number. <laughs> Weird. That's why I hate hate. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Um, 
I thought it was very good, and I thought the cliffhanger was excellent. And uh, so hopefully, it'll, I'm sure the next episode will be good. But one of my my big hopes is that the 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 resolution to the cliffhanger doesn't feel like a bit, uh <laughs> bit of a damn squib that one. But we'll just wait and see. But we'll see. Can't wait, can't wait to find, to find out. out. And it's it, I reiterate, I'm very optimistic about how this series is going to go. It's it's mad that it's going to be halfway through with the next episode. Yeah, totally. I know. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if it will feel better as a binge watch or a weekly watch once it's all, all mm-hmm. came out. Yeah. Yeah, want to watch again. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, well, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, and we'll, you'll hear from us uh, next Friday. Yeah. Bye, Bye everyone. Communications device reserved for wild catastrophes and sudden calls to man the battle stations. That's the cloister bell. Don't worry about that for now. It's not really terribly significant. The cloister bell? Oh no.